You're listening to Solid Sound, and I'm joined online by... Gash, uh, a.k.a. King Hydra, sometimes known as Ashton. And uh, how are you, mate? Are you well? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Doing well, actually. Yeah, pretty good. And you started out with this tune. I'd say most people would recognise this from this intro alone, wouldn't they? Yeah, this is uh, obviously Breathe by The Prodigy. Um, I chose this because it was uh, kind of my first proper exposure to dance music as a kid. I think it came out in like 96. Um, and I remember seeing it on Top of the Pops. Um, I remember being really fascinated by the video. Uh, it's got loads of weird things in it. It's got like an alligator in it. It's got like a millipede. It's really dark. Uh, it's kind of messed up. And, and as a kid, I'd never seen anything like it before. Pretty cool. Uh, I mean, some might say it's reasonably commercial, pretty mainstream. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it is. Uh, you know, it is kind of quite commercial, but it's also got a sort of dark edge to it. Um, and uh, yeah, for me as a kid, having only heard pop music before this, it was uh, my intro into something a bit, bit different. Obviously, Prodigy, very well known, possibly even a household name at this stage. And the vocals here are from Keith Flint, aren't they? Uh, yeah, it's got Keith on the vocals. I think it might have a bit of Maxim on the vocals as well, but I think it's mainly Keith. And uh, yeah, I was I was very lucky to see them at Download Festival in 2006, actually, to a packed tent. Um, I remember they had, I think it was My Chemical Romance on the main stage, and basically all the festival went to go see them on the second stage, and you couldn't even get in the the, uh, the the whole area to the second stage they had to close off because it was so popular. Uh, I remember they had to stop the gig midway through because people were climbing up the sort of struts that held the tent up and it was <laughs> it was getting a bit unsafe so they had to fully stop the gig because it was just getting that ram. Um, but it was it was great. It was, uh, I, I saw like all of them there. Keith was there, Maxim was there, Liam was there. They had like a full band. Um, and I'm really like I feel really lucky that I saw them because obviously Keith Flint isn't with us anymore. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we had a big sort of celebration in Brighton last year with the basement uh, to sort of uh, as a sort of kind of commemoration, played like a load of, 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 of prodigy tunes. Yeah, uh, download that would have been like heavy metal, wouldn't it? Or mainly metal. It's not a rave festival, is it? Yeah, yes. No, it's a very much a heavy metal festival. I mean, I was basically a kind of metal. I was really into punk and metal as a kid, uh, and we'll, we'll we'll come on to a bit of that next. Yeah. Um, but uh, that was sort of my uh, before really discovering dance music properly. I was really into metal, and so you know, I'd go to download and see bands like Slayer. System of Down, Slipknot, and I don't know, many more, Corn. Yeah, Download was pretty fun. It was uh, back when, uh, you know, I was sort of one of only a few people at my school who was into metal. Uh, going to a festival with like 10,000 people all into the same things as you was pretty, pretty, pretty good. I think I was 16 when I went to the first Download Festival. So where are you from? You live in Brighton now, but where are you, are you from Brighton originally? Uh, no, no, uh, I grew up in Cambridge. Uh, so uh, yeah, went to school there, um, went to Canterbury for uni, uh, and then moved to Brighton after uni, uh, mainly for like the music scene here. <laughs> For years and years, the Brighton music scene's been uh, been really seminal. I remember going to Concord 2 the first time I visited uh, for a Warp Records and Wireblock showcase. 
uh, which had Clark and it had Rob Hall and Rusty um, and uh, and I was just like I just you know knew I wanted to live live here after that it's a lovely spot by the beach as well isn't it uh, yeah it's very nice in the sort of spring and summer you know you've got yeah you've got the beach and you know I, I went for a swim this week uh, <laughs> it'll probably the last swim I do this year because it's getting a bit colder do you have a wetsuit or do you just go with the trunks? Just swim trunks. Wow. Yes, cold man. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, it was it was quite warm earlier this week. It's about twenty. It's about twenty six degrees. It's cold. A lot colder now. Um, I wouldn't go swimming today. <laughs> what about uh, Dublin? You've obviously got quite a healthy music scene there as well. Uh, it's not massive. I mean, a lot of it's independent sort of stuff for you know uh, traditional music you know people with instruments and that sort of stuff i think everyone wants to be the next u2 or the script or something like that when it comes to electronic music unfortunately oh uh, yeah dublin is somewhat lacking like you know but um we do what we can you know we do what we can to, to promote the music we like um heavy metal stuff like this slipknot yeah they'd go down very well in dublin uh, people would go for that um bit of a change in uh, style here slipknot yeah uh, yeah, so I wanted to include this track because I was yeah really into metal, and I guess like this is kind of I was just saying you know super into metal as a kid. I went to download, saw Slipknot download a couple of times actually. I used to be in a metal band as well before I made uh, music on my computer. I played guitar in a metal band, um, and this was kind of the first time I heard I guess metal and dance music combined. Um, and at the start of this record, you could hear those sort of drum and bass. Uh, breakbeat samples this tune itself is really jungle influenced and you can also hear in like the breakdown as well they'll like it, it's like the dj dj starscream i've actually seen him at bangface i remember chatting to him on the stage at bangface once i was very uh inebriated shall we say and i chatted a lot of breeze to him on on stage at bangface <laughs> i think we were watching fff at the time uh, but uh, he was really sound but it's his sort of of influence and he also makes uh, he produces music and i don't know if you've ever heard any of um starscream's music see this is the bit where you can hear kind of the break beats yeah uh yeah have you heard any of dj starscream stuff never I've, it's ne once never come across my uh, radar um, like what sort of stuff does he make like breaker or what or? it's quite bag of jungle influence it's quite quite breakcore influence I'll, I'll send you some Defo, yeah, Defo. I mean, that's why I was like having these chats because, you know, Prodigy, Slipknot, you know, a lot of people would have heard of those. Um, but then you start going down these dark alleys of uh, exploration, and that's where that's where you find the nuggets of gold, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Well, this this kind of uh, this sort of sound uh, kind of led on to my dark alley of going down the sort of metal and sort of, I guess, breakcore crossover route which led on to, you know, me really liking artists like Bong Ra yeah. and Aaron Spectre as well. Um, and, you know, those are guys who I'm sure heard this sort of music and took influence from this. And uh, and also kind of got me into a lot of other, in the, you know, in the sort of late 90s or early 2000s, there was a lot of other metal crossover bands, uh, you know, that sort of crossed over with other genres. So there's all the new metal guys who crossed over with hip hop. And also you've got like Nine Inch Nails, which is again a lot of electronic influence. Um, and a lot of producers I know also got into dance music through metal. There is a lot of crossover between that and punk as well, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I know, um, obviously you had Hurt Deer on last week. Yeah. And I know both him and Sample Junkie both really love metal. I don't know if you ever have seen any of their Tony Kerrang live streams on... <laughs> I have, yeah. <laughs> They're pretty hilarious, and you can obviously tell that they were both really into that sort of music back in the day. Yeah, it's funny because I'd always think of you as being more baseline, 140 type of vibes. <laughs> this is a bit of a left field, like, I would never have gone, oh, that's that's your track listing, like, you know, that's like. Well, yeah, it's. <laughs> I actually going back through the years because I kind of wanted to include tracks that were kind of seminal influencing my you know current you know love of, of music and tracks that I really stood out to me and actually there was very few baseline tracks that I picked for this yeah 
it was actually, you know, I kind of grew up listening to metal and then I kind of went on to listen to um, more kind of breakcore stuff um, before, uh, you know, discovering things like dubstep and then, uh, I guess, bassline. So actually, I had a kind of a lot of years where I sort of, I used to, some of the earliest tracks I made were all kind of breakcore tracks. I didn't know that. Well, yeah, it, this is going back away. This is like going back about 10 years. <laughs> and I used to run a breakcore night, actually, in Canterbury. It was like the first events I really ran. Oh, what was that called? Ca- it was called Cantface. Right. Ca- Cantface. Yeah. It was called, It was basically like Canterbury and Bangface combined. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so, uh, so on to the breakcore. This is obviously Square Pusher. Yeah. Come on, my selector. Uh, an absolute classic track. I mean, I remember seeing this on MTV2 a lot when I was younger. It was one of the few dance music tracks they played on there. It was that, and they'd, they'd sometimes play a, a couple of Apex Twin tracks. Um, have you seen the video to this? No, I haven't. It's very weird. I will send it to you. It's about this like um, young girl and her dog and they are in, uh, it's almost like an institution that they've been locked in uh, and she's got sort of psychic powers and they break out and then I think they start turning some of the like, in, um, the orderlies are trying to chase them and at this point, the, the, it's one of those videos that goes really well with the song Yeah. and I almost can, you know one of those videos where you can just see the video in your head as you're listening to it there's like, as the bass goes up and down, they're chasing them up and down these stairs mm-hmm. Um, and you can hear as well Square Pusher's insane bass music playing in this. Um, uh, and obviously, like the really scatty beats. Yeah. Uh, I remember hearing an interview with Square Pusher this year, and he said that he sort of trained himself to play bass like he was a computer. And instead of playing, like, after learning sort of classical bass and, you know, the more sort of, you know, standard bass, he basically play along to electronic music tracks and try and get as as close to being almost like a, com- a human computer bass player as possible. Uh, this is definitely an absolute classic Square Pusher track. Uh, I don't know if you're, if you're, are you, are you much into stuff like this? It's good. I do like Square Pusher. I do f- definitely like the hardcore jungle sort of vibe, you know, the sort of insane breakbeat stuff is definitely right up my street. Breakcore wise, yeah. Yeah, the the break beats on this are pretty pretty full on. Yeah, it's uh, again for, for 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 something that was played on MTV2, which is a pretty mainstream music channel. This was pretty out there. Absolutely. So what's this now? Ed Cox Clown Koala. Bit of hard tech, which Clown Koala. So yeah. as uh I it's it's uh, well he sort of calls this sort of music clown core. Right. Um so basically, Ed Cox, uh, I, I was saying before I grew up in Cambridge, so that's where um, Ed Cox is from. Um, and he was part of this collective, collective called Life Land, yeah. um, which included Ghost and Scam, Stibs and Monster. I don't know if you've heard of any of them. You might have heard of Stibs. Yeah, I have indeed, yeah. Um, and uh, these are guys that, you know, when I used to go out to raves when I was younger, this is who I'd see, basically. And I remember seeing them uh, not only at sort of free parties in Cambridge, but also at Strawberry Fair, which is this big, uh, it's kind of like a hippie festival in Cambridge. Uh, it's totally free and they used to have like music. Uh, back when mushrooms were legal, you could just buy magic mushrooms from like stalls there. Um, and it was just a good excuse to have a drink and um, take some uh, magic mushrooms when they were legal. Um, <laughs> uh, and I remember, uh, this is around the time when I was like, it was just before I was getting into producing music um, and a mate uh, gave me a load of their tracks and then when I was sort of started producing, gave me a load of their samples. And so if we we're going to find your old stuff, where would we find that? Would it be under Gash or would it be under someone else? 
Um, I think most of my old stuff is not online anymore. Uh, <laughs> okay. It might, you know, I mean, it, it was it was when a lot of it was when I was first starting to produce. Um, there's an EP of mine called Wiggle Wiggle Wiggle, which is on uh, used to be Cool's label, Bit Crusher Records. And that was after I made Breakcore. That was when I was making a bit more dubstepy stuff. But this is the, the the few Breakcore tracks I made was when I really didn't know how to make music or mix down a tune or anything. So if you do manage to find them, they're very rough and ready. <laughs> oh, well, let's show away with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can you can search for the Can't Face Records compilation. One of my tracks is on that. If you can find it, God knows where it is. I remember we. We sort of sold CDs of it um, back when you could just burn CDs. But I, I don't even know. I think it was on MySpace. <laughs> That's how old <laughs> that is. <laughs> so you've been into rave music for like 20 odd years then? I'd say about that, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I got into it, I guess, yeah, like I said, in Cambridge when I was about 17, 18. Um, so it'd be, yeah, just over 20 years. Um, and interestingly, with Ed Cox, I'd actually book him for Cantface the nights that I ran in Canterbury, yeah. uh, which were on a Tuesday night uh, in a bar called Kayad Bar. And um, the first night we did, we had Demon Cabbage, who was part of oh, Rock cool. Music. Yeah. Um, and then the second night we had Ed. Um, and uh, basically, the first night we had about 30 people turn up. And the second night we had about 200 people turn up to see Ed Cox. Um, and the... Uh, the, the venue had to hire in security of, like last minute and then they wanted to shut the venue down uh, or the venue wanted to shut the night down because apparently so many people were taking illicit substances, although they actually weren't. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, but then we realized that we had control of the sound system and the speakers behind this little DJ booth. So we just sort of told them that they couldn't shut the night down. <laughs> uh, we, we did ask them first. We were like, there's 200 people here. They're all here to see Ed play. Please just let him play for half an hour and then we'll go. But they wouldn't have it. So we said, no, well, we're staying then. Uh, we had Ed play and about halfway through a set, one of the security said, oh, we're calling the police on you now. <laughs> uh, so about two songs later, he stopped. Uh, and then we were packing up. And about five minutes after we finished packing up, the police arrived. They put their head in the door, looked around, saw that everyone had left and there was no one there and just left again. Oh, man. Um, but that did get us banned from Kayad Bar permanently. <laughs> really? What a surprise. <laughs> we had to do our events another venue after that. But amusingly, that also got the genres of breakcore, dubstep, jungle, and I think Gabba banned from any of event at Kayad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So look, you've gone for a bit of uh, Venetian snares. I think I'm, in future I'm going to have to say no snares and no square pusher. Uh, yes, I didn't want to have too many tracks the same as uh, Max's, as Hurt yeah. is, but these were both two very seminal tracks for me um, as well. So one of my friends introduced me to Venetian snares back when I was into mainly metal and I'd never heard anything like it. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I remember playing it to a load of my metal loving mates who were very confused, like, what is this? Um, but I really loved it. I actually saw Venetian Snares shortly after that at a tiny pub in Cambridge called the Portland Arms uh, in front of about 30 people. Wow. Um, and then obviously seen him multiple times since then, at Bang Face a lot of times. Uh, and I, I've been to a few of the Planet Mew events at Corsica Studios. I think it was their 10 year one, yeah. um, which was really good where he played, it was right when he released that album that was very absolutely influenced and he had about 10 303s in front of him and was like using all of them in some insane way. I don't know if you, I'm guessing you've seen Snares a bunch of times as well. A bunch of times, yeah, but we've always been at Bangface. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, the Bangface sets. I've got to say, I wouldn't go out my way to see Snares. <laughs> uh, <laughs> some of his sets I find are really great. Uh, sometimes when he does DJ sets, they're quite fun. He's so frenetic. Uh, I wasn't a fan of his Bangface modular set, I have to say, a few years ago. Yeah. That was a bit of a. not the right vibe for me at that point in time. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm sure we could talk about Bangface at some point in the conversation. Uh, and, you know, it's a religion, right? But uh, for me, it's always about the Queen Vic. Yeah, but, yeah. Hey, let's not go down that route, right? Yeah, we definitely will. I mean, for me, it's the Vic. 
The Vic is good. It's it's all the it's all the people that you know. I can I would never get to see them anywhere other than Bangface. You know. Mm. Uh, I mean, sure, you know, there's lots of the big names there, um, which obviously I, I would definitely go and see and welcome the opportunity. But what I love is the fact that you know you meet people from the you know, the Japan takeover, the Americans coming over, people coming from Canada, yeah, everywhere. It's just unreal. You know, Scandinavia, all these people who you know online, the good mates online. And you see him for four days of the year, and then that's it. You don't see him for another 362 days. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, when we first did the first ever in the face thing at Bangface was at was at the Queen Vic. Um, so our first sets at Bangface were were at the Queen Vic, and I guess you know now we, me and um, Hadian, um, we play Bangface uh, every year now, which is, we're very lucky to be a part of this. Yeah. You know. Uh, sort of institution, rave institution, um, and and before the weekend, I used to play play the nights as well. But again, it was always in the third room. And uh, throughout the years, we kind of worked our way up to the second room, and then this year, finally got to play the main room, opening the festival, which was kind of mental. Um, and and got to play the pool party this year, which was also really fun. But uh, but we but we we I've got a lot of love for room three because that's where we started as. At playing to people, which was which was really great, and uh, and like you said, a lot of artists who you never see anywhere else, um, you know, like all the sort of chin stroke artists, and I don't know, just all the sort of small takeovers are uh, it's great. I mean, the mutant bass takeover this year at Bangface was one of my favourite bits, and that was in the Queen bit. Yeah, yeah, I think actually one of my favourite sets this year, uh, twenty twenty. In the Queen Vic was actually Mark Archer. I don't know if you saw him. He was playing like right at the end of Sunday night, and uh, he was playing a proper old school 1992 uh, set from like the sort of stuff you hear at Universe or Fantasia or somewhere like that. That's amazing. Real good underground hardcore stuff, and it was like one of the best sets. You know, it was really good. Loved it. I I can't remember. Who, I, do, do do you know what I think? This year, this is going to make me sound quite old, but I think I fell asleep Sunday night at Bangface this year. <laughs> uh, I normally stay up for the TV studio party, um, and I remember last year at the TV studio when you did the Irish takeover, I, I remember turning up to the TV studio, saying hello to you, and you were on the decks, so you were like, Ashton, please, can you play some tunes? I can't cope anymore. It is hard. You'd obviously been working all day, and you were just knackered. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I've got my USB on me, great. And obviously, absolutely not Not soon after, long after that, Laurie uh, Hadian turned up uh, and started DJing as well. He always does that at the TV party. He always jumps on the decks. Yeah, no, I, uh, I can't do it anymore. Dance. Yeah, that was good. No, I remember that. It was great. It's like uh, I think uh, one of the one of the things I would always say is the rave is more important than your ego. Oh, hundred percent. And I'd already played at the face room, and I was like, ah, oh, you know, what people really want now is. And I saw you. I'm like, yeah, people would much rather hear you than me going. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, and I was wrecked. <laughs> I was wrecked because it's like you know, it's the energy as well. You know, the nervous energy and just all the energy you put into doing it. Well, you've been doing the TV stuff all day, really, haven't you? So I'm not surprised you're knackered. Yeah, I had, yeah. Absolutely. And James is like, oh, yeah, step up at four in the morning on a Sunday. It's four o'clock on a Monday morning. I'm like, no. Oh, man. Where are we now? Look, we're into Shipmat now. I wanted to pick a Shipmat tune for a number of reasons, um, but I had real trouble choosing between this and there's another tune off this album called There's No Business Like Proper Rungle Clotted Mashup Business, uh, which is a bit more accessible, but actually I like this tune more and I kind of feel it captures the insanity of Shit Matt and the mashup style that he's sort of very much known for. I mean, this tune itself has just got so many samples in. It kind of flips from one to another. It's got like Morris dancing samples. It's got like jungle in there. It's just got, it's got like an accordion, I think, or a harpsichord. It's got, I don't even know what, it's just so much stuff is going on. Oh look, there's a metal sample. What I love about this sort of stuff is like, you list, if you're listening to it and you feel like you know what's happening and you, you get grips with what's going on yeah. and it just changes yeah. and it's like, oh, okay, yeah. well, that was nice for two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, and this album as well, I really love this album. It's called Full, in, Full English Breakfast. Um, and even the album's a pun. Yeah. 
And yeah, so, you know, Shitmas holds a special place in my heart. He's from Brighton. Um, he started the wrong music collective with a few other people. And, uh, you know, I remember going to see him at Bangface and also before, I, I think even before I went to Bangface, hearing about him uh, through record labels like Planet Mew and then obviously Wrong Music. Um, and then when I moved to Brighton, I was lucky enough to go to some of the Wrong Music nights before they stopped, uh, which were kind of amazing and so weird at the same time. Yeah, I mean, pioneers like this are always interesting people because they probably don't get the recognition they deserve because a lot of people out there now making this sort of music. Um, and it's like back in the day, you know, when Shipmat was making this sort of stuff, people would have gone, what the hell is this crap? And then, you know, for a label like Planet Mew to pick him up, it's quite brave, you know? Yeah, very, very brave. And yeah, they really took, I mean, you know, it's, it is, it's almost like, it's sort of got the breakbeats of Venetian snares, but it's just with so many mashup samples, it's just... Yeah, insane. It's great, great music. And and not only doing Shitmap, but he did so many other weird projects. I remember seeing a thing he did called Slash's Wormhole in Brighton, which was, he was dressed up like Slash uh, from Guns N' Roses, but instead of a guitar, he had a Hoover that he was using as some sort of MIDI controller. I love this sort of stuff with the brakes. Should we just go for it, innit? It's it's great. I mean, this whole album is great. I'd, I'd say if you haven't heard this album, if you're listening and you haven't heard Full English Breakfast, yeah, and you kind of like this sort of music, check this it is out. definitely a, an album that I check it out. I've listened to this album so many times, like on repeat back in the day. I mean, it's the very opposite of boring, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is very much absolute attention grabbing There's, you can't not pay attention to it yeah it's like being on ADHD it's, it's ADHD music yeah <laughs> oh man <laughs> I remember seeing a, a bang face with um, one of his later albums One Foot in the Rave where it's you know he's sort of pretending to be like an old man and um, he was dressed up as an old man for the live show with a sort of bald cap on uh, and he had a walking stick that was a MIDI controller that he was sort of shaking about that would do different things to the music, which was very funny. Yeah, I think he's given up on music, hasn't he? I think he's retired or something. Uh, the last stuff I saw him doing was his crisp collector stuff, where he collects crisp packets. And he was on the telly. He was on, yeah, he was on this morning, I think, which <laughs> was very weird. <laughs> yeah. Things you never know, are you in the, still in the shipmat track or are we on the next track? It's hard to tell. <laughs> With this is still the track. This is the next track. Mm. Oh man, that's intense. <laughs> it was intense, wasn't it? It's alright, the music gets sort of slightly less intense from here. I've got we've gotten yeah. through the break course section yeah. and into into a bit more normal. Or you know, Bit more normal music. <laughs> so this one is Rusko, uh, or by Rusko, and the track's called Jehovah. Yeah. So this is a bit more like the sort of stuff I'd associate you with, like, you know, sort of 140 bassy music, you know? Yeah, so, you know, it was through labels like Planet Mew, um, you know, who signed Shit Matt and Venetian Snares, uh, that I was first introduced to Dubstep. Um, and they had artists like Pinch, uh, Distant, and Benger on some of their early compilations, uh, which I used to buy. Um, and at first I heard dubstep and I really didn't understand it. I was like, what is this weird slow music? Being so used to breakcore and insanely fast music, I was like, what is this? What's going on? Yeah. Um, I just didn't understand it. And then I kind of listened to it a bit more and it started grabbing my attention. And I think it was when I saw Pinch play at Glade um, Festival. Uh, I really understood it because I heard it for the first time in front of a big sound system and feeling the sort of bass just go through you. Uh, I then instantly fell in love with it. Yeah, I, one of the ways I kind of in my head categorise a lot of music is by what drugs you need to be taking. <laughs> and I think this is obviously this is obviously a big bag of weed sort of music, isn't it? 
<laughs> um, yeah, although I also kind of uh, associate dubstep with ketamine. Um, right. Not a drug that I ever got very into, um, but um, a, a lot of people were taking that and listening to this sort of music back in, you know, 2005, 2006, 2007. Yeah. Uh, and you always used to see people kind of falling over at raves at that point, uh, which I'm kind of glad that the sort of the honeymoon with that particular drug is it seems to be over now because you don't see as many people falling over at raves anymore which is quite nice yeah and i never get that why people do that because they go they go out for a night they pay the money and then they just get mashed and just miss it all it just seems like such a waste but i know that that's what some people do and fair play to them but like oh, i don't get it I think you have to have a balance, you know, you want to go out on a night out and have fun and that's fair enough. But if you go out on a night out and you're slumped in a corner, K-holing and yeah. miss the DJ, well, what's the point? I, I agree. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I remember hearing the, this, this tune is off of the, their fabric mix. Casper Rusco did this seminal fabric mix, Fabric Live 37. Uh, which was this kind of newer, grittier uh, dubstep sound with sort of mid-range bass lines. It was very in your face and this sort of music and a lot of Casper and Roscoe's music kind of around this time fueled the sort of dubstep that we all kind of know from the American side of things today, uh, which is very much very upfront mid-range noises. And in fact, at the time fueled, you know, circus records and, you know, Never Say Die and a load of those labels who when you think of dubstep today you just think of robot noises yeah uh, and this was almost like the birth of that but it's much more understated than that and it's got you know it's much more sort of tuneful definitely definitely i always like the bass on these sorts of tunes just that, that sort of shake your clothes off your body type of bass off the sound system stuff it's really good it's like yeah, I like Marla and uh, Deep Medi uh, have got a saying which is called meditate on bass weight, which I quite like, where you're just you just you're just feeling the sub bass through the speakers, and you're right, it's like trouser shaking, chest shaking music is great so tell me a bit about what you were doing for a nine to five before covid uh so i was working for a event promoter um a sort of um well kind of like a national promoter but uh, based in brighton uh, and they we did a lot of gigs along the south coast of, of, of england uh called one inch badge um and i was also working for um a I guess um, a, a marketing company who are uh, sort of music marketing called Ground Up Media and we would sort of do marketing for other people's events, festivals. Uh, we work with uh, festivals like, um, or events like, uh, we work with Printworks, we work with like Love Supreme Festival. Um, I mean, we work with a, a lot of festivals. We work with sort of uh, Brighton Fringe and Brighton Festival, uh, and a lot of independent promoters in uh, in Brighton. Uh, we're on to the bug now, by the way. Yeah. Uh, this track is Skeng. Um, I remember seeing the bug of Warrior Queen at my first ever bang face. Um, the, the, the first ever bang face I went to. It was, I think, Rotator, the bug. Uh, who else was playing? It was an, it was an insane lineup. I think Venetia Snares and Dormouse. Um, oh, and Kid 606. Man, what year was that? That must have been like 2010. Yeah, maybe it might have. Uh, it was it was before the first weekender. It was a couple of years before they did the first weekender. Yeah. So it might have been. Yeah, it might have been 2010. Because uh, first weekender was 2008 or 2009. I forget which. Oh, so this would have probably been 2007 then. Wow, early days then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was Bang Face number 51, I think. Oh wow, that really is early days then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
because uh, before the weekend they used to have monthly, monthly nights in London so we used to come up from Canterbury like every month and go uh, after the first one I was just hooked on on that night <laughs> yeah uh, it's very Marmite isn't it you either love it or you hate it I think you yeah. love it that's it you're done for life yeah that was it for me yeah. uh, I wanted to include this tune because it's uh, not only is it dubstep but it's sort of um, it's well, what I'd call steppers, which is, I guess, got a more reggae influence dubstep. Right. Um, and um, as well as playing out uh, my more ravey stuff, I also have played for quite a few years for a dub uh, reggae sound system in Brighton called Dub Conscious. Um, on, uh, I play a lot of tunes on vinyl, and I play tunes like this, and there's like record labels like Lion Charge and Moonshine Recordings. Uh, and Killer Sound, uh, who kind of make it's. I guess it's sort of like reggae mixed with dubstep, but I call it steppers. Yeah, yeah. Good categorization. Yeah, and I really, I really like uh, playing out that sort of stuff as well. It, I, I don't really do it much anymore because dub conscious sound system are not really around, but. Uh, for quite a few years down here, I used to play out for them, which was really fun. Man, I'm a bad man from a long time. I swear down, you can ask all your people them. Looking at my face, brother man, you don't want to see man when we get evil then. But yeah, we were talking about Boomtown. Uh, so yeah, I've worked uh, for Boomtown for quite a few years now. Uh, it was meant to be the uh, eight, no, the seventh year that uh, we ran our, our venue manager venue called the Job Center. Yeah. Uh, and it would have been our seventh year. Um, and it's, you know, obviously quite disappointing that no festivals happened this year, apart from Bangface. Worse, shut in face, make it send for the nurse. Absolutely, nurse. yeah. I mean, it's devastating, nurse. isn't it? And let's bring it back to you as well, because it's kind of devastating for you too, on a personal level. Uh, yeah, well, I, uh, I actually got made redundant from my <laughs> event promoting job this year. So, uh, it was uh, pretty devastating for me. Tough go, man. But I mean, you're, you're lucky to be uh, working in the music industry, right? Uh, yeah. So luckily, uh, yeah, luckily I, I, I got um, I got a new job actually working for Shogun Audio now, who are a drum and bass record label. What, uh, well, I, I was going to ask you what you reckon to drum and bass, but I suppose you can't really answer that one, can you? <laughs> <laughs> I personally love it, and I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I, I have no reason to say, you know, obviously I work for a drum and bass label, but I know you're not a big fan, so I didn't That's include right. many. I included one drum and bass track in this in this um, <laughs> in this series of, of music, and it's right at the end. It's not about playing music for my liking. It's playing music for your own liking. That's that's the remit. Indeed, indeed. Well, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you some drum and bass tracks as well that I think you'll like. Yeah, I do like a bit of drum and bass. I just I, I find a lot of it is unoriginal. Yeah, uh, I do understand that, and yeah, we can talk about that in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this one is Math Head. Yeah. Um, and this track's called Turn the Music Up, and it's an AC Slater remix. Which is the first time I ever heard AC Slater. Uh, this was released in about 2008, I think. Um, and it was on Night Shifters, which is Donna Summer's label. Right. Um, this is around the time that AC Slater was part of Trouble and Bass. I don't know if you ever remember Trouble and Bass. So there is a label that he started with Drop the Line. Uh, and they had artists, and Night Shifters had artists like um, Jack Beats, Hostage, uh, and AC Slater and Drop the Line on. And it was the first time I heard like 4 4 bass music that I really loved. That explains it then, yeah, because it's an odd tune, isn't it? Because it's a bit nightclubish. <laughs> I guess it's sort of pre, you know, bassline becoming what it is today. Um, and it's very, very, but it's very much not like the sort of niche bassline that I'd heard before then, which was very cheesy and had like, it's a lot more ravey. It's got all these 90s rave pianos and rave stabs yeah. and vocal stabs. And it's sort of the precursor for what would become, I guess, like what I'd call mutant bass. Or what is known as mutant bass, yeah. uh, and it, and I I heard this tune and I just fell in love with this sort of four four music and I remember desperately trying to find every kind of four four bass heavy tune that I could and and I, I completely switched from DJing dubstep and you know sometimes breakcore to just DJ this uh, just because I loved it so much. Yeah. When you talk about niche bassline, you're talking about the nightclub in Sheffield and uh, that whole bassline. Yeah. That came from up north. 
Yes, exactly. So niche baseline, um, you know, it was uh, artists like, like DJQ, Witty Boy, um, I guess like TS7. And it had this, um, you know, back in the day, it had this very specific sound. And to me at the time, it just sounded really cheesy. Um, I've, I've since come to really like a lot of different styles of bassline and actually like some of those tunes now. But at the time, I was like, no, I don't like this. Hmm. But I really like this because it was ravey. I guess, again, it reminded me of Bang Face. You can hear these rave pianos go now. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, a lot more upfront. And it was a lot more, it was just something very different to anything I'd heard before. See, I, I would go into rave at 92 and this sort of stabby stuff would have been obviously well up in 92. Yeah. You say you got, you said you got, you, you say you got into raving in 92. Yeah. That is, so you were kind of almost on the tail end of the original rave sound. Yeah. Don't talk about how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. <laughs> You're obviously a couple of years older than me then. A couple of years, yeah. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I'm quite jealous. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I would have loved to have been around for... Oh, golden age. Yeah. Uh, I guess like, yeah, of the golden age, you know, I've, 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 I've seen so much, so many films about it, so many documentaries about it, you know, like, I've, I've just been listening to a podcast series about it that's called Ecstasy on, on uh, BBC. Uh, and just, yeah, just being around for like the Hacienda and the Summer of Love and the second Summer of Love and Acid House and just, I don't know, I guess like when you're not, when you haven't experienced that, it's almost like I see it in this sort of romantic light of how like amazing it must have been. Yeah. And I guess you must have sort of experienced this sort of, the, I guess like I said, the tail end of that in 92. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the breakbeat hardcore. Mm. You know, like Universe, Fantasia, all that sort of stuff uh, would have been pretty much the sort of stuff I'd have been originally into, yeah. Yeah, I would have and, and, I would have loved to have gone to some of those nights. And just some of the raves, because there used to be yeah. like raves, even in Brighton, uh, at Shoreham, there's a, an old power station. And they have, used to have raves down here with like 3,000 people. Yeah. Which you'd never see in England ever anymore, apart from maybe once a year when they do UK tech. Yeah, I've often said before as well, you know, you see a lot of people that were into original stuff and what have you, you know, all the middle-aged junglists and what have you at Bangface, it's because that is probably the closest thing you'll get to that vibe, the way everyone's just so cool and everyone's laid back, everyone's like just on the right sort of level, you know what I mean? Well, that's one thing I love about Bangface is whenever you say Bangface to people who don't know Bangface, they're like, oh, it's just Gabba yeah. or Break or whatever. But actually, they're really true to like, they always have old school rave artists. They always have takeovers from like really big old school labels. Mm. Like, I love that fact that they have it. They've got kind of electronic music across the spectrum and they always represent the old school rave. I mean, they've been bringing Mark Archer and Alternate down for years and years, um, you know, and 808 State as well. And like a lot of those big old school Raybacks will just be at Bang Face like every year. Absolutely, yeah. But as well, just the atmosphere of the people. Like, I mean, obviously we didn't have Breakcore and Jungle and Venetian Snares and all that lot back in the 90s, but if they did, they would have definitely been well up for it in 92, like, you know? Yeah, definitely. Turn the music up. I don't know. <laughs> I, just I just can't hear that lyric and just think, oh, it's so cheesy. It is a cheesy lyric. I, I kind of, it's almost the le my least favourite part of that song. It's, you know, for me, that track is much more about, well, I guess it's about the place that it has in my yeah. personal musical journey rather than that very cheesy sample. <laughs> yeah. So talking of, uh, talking of Sheffield, we're going with Squire Gothos. Yes. So, um... I guess off and up, they're uh, an institution now. Yeah. But um, back when they released this tune, there was no off and up records. Um, and uh, it was just Squire Gothos at the time. Um, I remember seeing these guys for the first time at a wrong music night, actually, in Brighton, uh, which must have been in about 2000 and maybe 2008, yeah. maybe 2009. Um, and then it was hearing this sort of music uh, that made me start in the face basically oh, cool. uh, and for anyone who doesn't know in the face is a record label that i run it's also a night uh, that i run down in brighton uh, about four times a year uh, and also um you know have done takeovers at other events and festivals um 
that's uh, that's in the face. And if you don't know us, then get to know us on SoundCloud or whatever. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> My first Bang Face weekend was 2015, and that's when you guys were doing the takeover in the Vic. Yes. And I remember being a bit of a fanboy at the back of the room going, that's the in the face guys. <laughs> I remember we got special t-shirts printed for that, just that gig. Yeah. Um, and it was, yeah, it was really fun. It was me and uh, Simtech, Laurie, Hadian. I think we had Audio Gutter as well, and um, Deadbeat. Um, and yeah, I've got some interesting, funny stories about Deadbeat. Uh, that I might tell you in private. I might not put them on radio <laughs> about that oh, about right. that bang face. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I'll tell you that he he got so inebriated that he forgot what day it was. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so I love Squire Gothos. Um, it's almost like baseline on steroids. They combine so many genres. You've got jungle breaks in here. You've got baseline. You kind of got dubstep and rave. Um, and you know, it's been my absolute pleasure to bring Off and Up uh, in various forms down to Brighton every year, and also I bring them to Boomtown every year. Um, they always have a takeover at the job centre. We get them into the festival, and yeah, they're just a, a for me a kind of musical institution nowadays. Absolutely, I love this sort of bass. I love the way you've got, I always say to people when they're making tunes, you know, have more than one bass, a couple of basses, you know? Yeah. And he's got like three or four basses going on it, it's brilliant. A hundred percent. And you know, as well, hearing this sort of sound, I guess what, like 10, over 10 years ago, they were they were doing stuff that almost no one else was doing at the time. Uh, especially combining 4-4 yeah. four, four music with those sort of break beats. Um, and yeah, the first ever in the face, um, we brought them to Brighton. Uh, and they played as it was the Squire of Gothos and then Cryogenics. I don't know if you've heard Cryogenics. No. So that was Titch's other project um, when he was right. also doing the Squire of Gothos. Um, it's basically like dubstep, but with loads of amen breaks. It's really mental. If, if you haven't heard it, definitely check out Cryogenics. Yeah, uh, Titch's alias is, is quite a long list, right? <laughs> There is a lot of them, yeah. There's a there's a lot. I mean, if if it's on Off Me Up Records, there's about fifty percent chance that Titch had a hand in producing it. Yeah. <laughs> Such a sound geezer as well. Very sound, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he uh, he did a very good set for us uh, for our Boomtown stream, um, where he was pretending to be. It was like a trial shift. Oh yeah. Uh, for the job center, and he and each like track. Uh, or two, he'd be doing a different shift, a work shift for us. Uh, it was, it, it, you've just got to watch it. If you uh, if you go on the Boomtown Job Centre Facebook page, you'll be able to see the whole set. It's, it's very good. Absolutely, guys are real artists. He, he just does what he wants to do. Yeah. Makes his own stuff, doesn't he? he Completely. He pleases himself first and anybody else that wants to come along, you're welcome. 100%. And uh, I'm very happy to have come along that journey for the last yeah. however many years. So this is Kanji Kinetic and also EP uh, on a track called Keep Your Hype. Bit of iced tea there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is indeed. So, uh, so yeah, like Squires, I've been booking Kanji in Brighton for years now. I think he played maybe the second or third in the face. And um, it was sort of those artists along with Ritalin, Michael Forshaw, uh, the sort of coin up records lot and rag and bone records lot who got me into the genre that's now known as mutant bass. Yeah. Uh, this track as well was released on vinyl. It was the first ever in the face release. We also used to take this record to clubs when we were playing at them and we just used to sell them to people at the end of the night, just like hand out records and and charge. Uh, I think they were a fiver at the time, which is quite cheap for a vinyl nowadays. Big time. <laughs> yeah, it's always a kind of a, 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 a sort of machine noise sort of um, baseline. A lot of people make it like Ritalin, Kanji, Fairview. Um, yeah, I mean, there was, you know, a, a kind of a few artists around the time who were making music a little bit like this, but I feel like Kanji Kinetic, in terms of production, is at the top of that list. Um, 
The other guy on this track, Heapy, I don't know if you've heard much of his stuff. He doesn't really make music anymore, but he's done some. He's another really good producer uh, who unfortunately isn't around anymore. But he, he's, um, yeah, he's made some uh, absolute bangers. He made a really good track with Thorpey um, that was out on Mutant Bass record label. Uh, this whole EP was actually a sort of collaboration with Kanji, and each track would have a different artist on it. But I feel like this is my favourite track of the whole EP, and it, it's still like. But it still bangs nowadays. Like, I would still play this tune out in a set. Even though it's about nine, ten years old. <laughs> That's the thing I think with the music over the last 10 years, uh, you know, there's so many different genres, so many different things to listen to. And, you know, as a DJ, you're always looking for something that's going to be, you know, people are going to understand, people are going to get into, but you're always looking for that, oh, what's that tune? Where's that come from? You know, left field sort of stuff. And yeah, I like that. You can pick up stuff from 10 years ago and still play it out today. Oh, definitely. Previous decades, it would have been, you know, you can only play music from the last two or three years and it's either too old to be played or, it's just you know people have moved on you know yeah i think as well nowadays it's a lot more acceptable to play multi-genre sets uh you know you don't just have to play a drum and bass set or just have to play a bass line set or dubstep set i kind of remember growing up and people were only into one genre of music or a few genres uh, but i kind of feel like that's all gone now and a lot of people make music that's just influenced by a lot of different things and this sort of music as well it's just very much influenced by loads of different styles of music it's a tempo to keep you hype. I know you're loving this drug as it's coming out your speakers. Basically, the bottom is high through the tweeters. But this place, you don't need a pipe. Just a tempo to keep you hype. I know you're loving this drug as it's coming out your speakers. Basically, the bottom is high through the tweeters. So this is DJ Rashad. Bit of ghetto tech, would you call this ghetto tech? Uh, I call yeah. it juke or footwork, but yeah, ghetto tech is, is, is sort of the music that it came out of, I think. Actually, no, you're right, juke, yeah. So this is It's Not Right. It came out of Planet Mew, uh, which was the first UK label to release juke. It's very weird, isn't it? Yeah, this isn't ghetto tech <laughs> at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. So when I first heard this, I thought it was incredibly strange. Uh, and I was like, I was working in a record shop at the time in Brighton called Edgewell Records. And we started getting this stuff in on vinyl. And I was like, what is this? It's nothing like anything I'd heard before. Um, and I really didn't, I don't know whether I liked it or didn't like it at first, but I just kept on listening to it and listening to it because it intrigued me. And I ended up loving it. I'd love to find a history of like Duke and Footwork. Like, how as a genre, like, how the hell did it evolve? It's weird, isn't it? So Footwork is the dance right. okay. that they do, which goes to the music. It comes out of Chicago, yeah. and it comes out of things like Booty Bass, uh, which is like you know artists like DJ Salt and DJ Godfather. But there was a whole load of younger producers, I think, in Chicago who were just starting speeding up old Booty Bass and Ghetto Tech records, um, and then making their own tracks. Um, but it was very much a scene that was only around in Chicago for quite a long time. Uh, and then um, it was like Mike Paradinas from Planet Mew um, and also um, the, uh, what's his name, Code 9 who runs Hyperdub heard it and they started bringing it over to the UK. And then the UK and the rest of the world started cottoning on to this music. I mean, it's mad. There's nothing else like it still. It's 160 BPM, which is a very of BPM if you're a UK dance music producer. Uh, you know, it's got a lot of 808 drums. You can hear the 808 hi-hats in this. Um, and uh, it's a lot of the times used 808 snares and that big 808 bass drum. It's very fast. It uses really fast cut up vocal samples, which like I'd never heard anyone else do that with a vocal. Just completely chop it up and just that kind of almost like using it as another instrument that just like re repeating it over and over again. Yeah, that's what intrigues me because as a style, you know, imagine you're the first person that ever did that. Everyone would be like, 
you were when you first got the record in the record store going, uh, what the hell is this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure how they, you know, how they hone that style. Again, you know, it came out of what was before it, which was like ghetto tech and booty bass. Yeah. But it, but the vocals, the very part of vocals is, is definitely unique to this, this genre. Um, so th- a bit about DJ Rashad. He's also from Chicago. I mean, I personally think he's probably the best uh, Duke producer ever. Um, unfortunately, he's not with us anymore. But if you want to listen to something by Rashad, his album Double Cut, which is one of the last things he released, it was on Hyperdub, is really worth checking out. Uh, and he's hugely influenced an, an absolute ton of music artists today. Um, you know, artists like Machine Drum, like this guy, Philip D. Kick, who's coming up now. Yeah. Um, I was really lucky enough to see Rashad in Brighton, actually, when he played with Spin. Um, and just a little tidy fact at the end, um, I had a secret SoundCloud account that I made Duke on and um, basically Rashad started following that account uh-huh. that I didn't <laughs> tell anyone about and I was very happy about that. <laughs> down crew, down crew, down crew. See, this is called the footwork edit. You're saying yeah. footwork is a dance. I don't know. I would I would always use the terms interchangeably, like myself. L- yeah, lots of people use the term interchangeably. I'm being pedantic. I think technically footwork is the yeah. dance and Duke is the music, but people call it footwork as well. Because obviously you've got the lighter here, pretty straightforward, but then they do this... Trap style hi-hats and then they start breaking it up in almost like you would have done with Jungle, but more in a repetitive rather yeah. than staccato way, you know? So this is from a series of tracks that Philip D. Kick released back in the day. Uh, Philip D. Kick, if no one, uh, if you don't know, is an alias of Om Unit. I didn't know that. And he basically released a load of, they were loads of old Jungle tunes that he reworked in like a footwork style. This is one of the first times I heard a UK artist playing around with the Duke sound and doing something different with it. And also, it's just one of the sort of steps in in Duke having a massive influence on UK dance music. You know, sort of combining that 160 tempo and the halftime drums of footwork with amens and classic samples of Jungle, which goes so well. Like, Jungle and footwork just go so well together. And I never tire of hearing Jungle footwork tunes. Absolutely. Yeah, completely agree with you, mate. Why don't people make more of it? I don't know. It's such a good style. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I, 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 I had basically for a while, and I still do sometimes, play a kind of jungle footwork set uh, with tracks that I've collected over the last 10 years, maybe a bit more than that. Um, and I know maybe at last 10 years, eight to 10 years. Uh, and basically, like, there's certain tracks like this that I will still play. And there's so little jungle footwork tracks that I've just got like one big old set that I'll just play every now and again because no one else, you know, there's only so much of this music that's out there. There's also, for anyone who likes this sort of music, Philip D. Kick is now releasing new stuff that's all original. Um, And if you go on his SoundCloud or his Spotify, there's a whole new EP of stuff that's really worth checking out. Yeah, I like this. It's a good selection. Normally, I wouldn't give it too much time because it's like, I find a lot of time people go, oh, here's new genre, apply genre to well-known tune. There, that's my output, you know? Um, but he's done a good job on that. I didn't realise that was on unit as well. So there you go, a bit of an education for us all. Indeed. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he, he does a lot of um, other classic jungle tracks. He did Remark, R.I.P. He did... Um uh, Lenny D. Ice, uh, We Are E, and they're all really good versions. And again, if you can find them, yeah. they're well worth hunting down. I'm not quite sure where they are on the internet anymore. I think they're not, you know, they might be l- less readily available now. So this is Rockwell, and the track's called Detroit. And this is a drum and bass track that I really love because it's very weird and interesting. And I'm not even quite sure whether you can call it drum and bass. Uh, I heard this track at a time when I hadn't really been near drum and bass for a while because like you, I kind of equated drum and bass with just quite mainstream like kick snare, kick snare Mm. and hearing that this could come from a drum and bass artist actually re kind of gave me a lot of love for how experimental it can be as a genre 
and it led me back into drum and bass tracks like this. say this was Duke again though in the so the this is speed of it like this is te- it's a bit faster than Duke I think this is 172 yeah. um, but this track has got a massive Duke influence and a lot of drum and bass artists tried making stuff a bit like this around the time of this tune um, and it really influenced artists like Ivy Lab Fracture and Clax who are all you know who all have um, have also made music a bit like this uh, and if you listen to uh, labels like Exit Records and Astrophonica. Um, yeah. There's a lot of tracks that were definitely influenced by Duke and Footwork, and you know the kind of resurgence of things like Halftime came out of, I think, out of Duke becoming popular again, or becoming a genre or a known genre. Yeah, Exit's a great label. I like it. Got some good stuff coming out of it. It's, it's actually on my subscription list now. And Astrophonica, yeah, everything comes out on that label. Yeah, unreal. Yeah, I really love those labels, and and yeah, and just anything that Fracture puts out as well is amazing. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, I've got a lot of love for music like this, and and yeah, it really did. I don't know. I'm I'm I. I I basically am a big drummer bass fan again now, and this was one of the reasons I got back into that genre. I, I don't get how you call this drum and bass. <laughs> I guess this track really isn't, but it's a drum and bass tempo and it's by a drum and bass artist, so... There you go. Don't pigeonhole me, man. Don't pigeonhole me. <laughs> yeah, th- well, I guess tracks like this showed me what drum and bass artists could do uh, and showed me what sort of drum and bass could be. And, and 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 hearing tracks like this and some of the tracks off of labels like Exit really opened my eyes to what like you know what you can do as a drum and bass artist that's very weird and original and unique. Junglist massive. Oh no, that's not this track, is it? No, <laughs> this is Detroit. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> you're, get, you're getting ahead of yourself. Yeah, I am. <laughs> no, I was referencing the, uh, the the forbidden track. The M beat featuring General Levy tune. What's that? The forbidden track, which no one's allowed to ever play. Incredible. Oh, oh, is it? Oh, is it? Is it? Have you got a forbidden, a forbidden track? That's it. Yeah, that's forbidden track. I'll I, I play anything on the radio show, but that's one track I will never allow to be played. Oh, really? That's so funny. <laughs> I actually saw General Levy last year. And it was a, it was an interesting. Uh, it was at a massive venue, and it was by it was an event by Discogs uh, in Brighton at the Brighton Centre. And the event did not sell sell very well. So I saw I saw him play uh, in a venue that should have fitted about three thousand people in front of about a hundred people, um, which is quite interesting. I mean, I really enjoyed his set, but uh, that track is definitely incredibly rinsed. <laughs> No, no, respect, respect to him as an artist, like, obviously, and the same with MB. Oh, totally. Uh, but just that, that is just that was a tune for a, a jungle purist. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> I can imagine. So, speaking of jungle tracks that you might not like very much. Yeah, go on. Uh, <laughs> this is my last track, and it's Friction, Mad in the Jungle. And uh, you probably wouldn't call this jungle, and neither would I. It's much more drum and bass. Yeah. Um, I know this is obviously quite mainstream drum and bass, but I really love this tune. It's a track that I absolutely rinsed over the last few years in my drum and bass sets. And I wanted to include this track because it's basically, I I got made redundant over lockdown because there's no events on, so events jobs were just not around. And my company had to do, uh, you know, several rounds of redundancies, which was uh, not great. But um, I got picked up by a Brighton-based label called Shogun Audio, uh, and the label is run by Friction, who made this track. Uh, so technically, uh, he's now my boss. Right, so I watch what I say then. <laughs> it's all good. You can say whatever you want, it's fine. No, it's like it's like we take it right back to the start when you were playing Prodigy and I'm saying, man, that's mainstream music. I myself started out listening to Prodigy, all right? Yeah. There's a place for all sorts of music. There's a place for everything. You know, it's all subjective. Oh, completely. And if you're a 15, if you're a 15-year-old boy who's just discovered music and ganja 
Oh man, this would be this would be on on repeat on your iPod or whatever. The kids listen to music on. I mean, as a 34-year-old man, this has been on repeat on my like iPod or Spotify or whatever for a few years now. <laughs> so I kind of, <laughs> I mean, I personally love this track. Before I had any association with Shogun, I loved this track. Uh, I still play this track out, yeah. and like you said, it is that kind of track that's very accessible. Uh, if you play this in a, on a dance floor, it will go off. Uh, and yeah. it, you know, like you said, I think you know all kinds of music from mainstream dance music to the most underground of underground weird dance music is great. And tracks like this, like you said, if you're a young person and you're first discovering drum and bass. You hear this track and you're like, what is this? What's Jungle? And it could lead you on a massive rabbit hole to figure out, you know, what were the guys who started Jungle Music? What were the vocalists? Where did this music come from? You know, what's the history of drum and bass? What came before drum and bass? Like breakbeat, hardcore, you know, 90s rave. So I think, you know, I have a lot of love for tunes like this that are, might be the start of someone's journey. All right, wicked man. Well, come to the end of the show. Excellent. Thank you very much for taking the time to set the call, mate. It was a very uh, interesting selection. Thank you so much for having me on, Kushti, and uh, you know, out to everyone listening to Solid Sound FM, out to everyone in Dublin, and uh, hopefully I'll see you next year at Bangface. Absolutely, mate, with bells. All right, cheers. Cheers, man.